On episode two of Talking Out Loud, we're going to be doing a full preview of all things A10, but more specifically under the lens of what you care about as a Dayton Flyers fan as we head towards the season slated for November. Let's get into it. Let's go. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. How goes it? How are you? How you doing? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever, however, and whatever time you're listening to this podcast, it is absolutely great to have you on Talking Out Loud Episode 2. we got a really good show tonight. I'm riding solo for the opening. I have a few things I'd love to cover before we get into the interview coming up, but I brought on one of my favorite, uh, I want to say commenters of college basketball, an opinion haver, a uh, man that covers the sport for a semi-living. Uh, I'm talking about Matty Cox at the Three Man Weave. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, please check them out, 3-man-weave.com. I'll course repeat that as we get through the show but before i get to that interview a couple of things that are important or that you i know that you care about as a dayton flyers fan first and foremost uh, i thought this was pretty cool over the last week i have been getting a lot a lot of mentions into uh, barstool and more specifically their podcast pardon my take uh, you probably heard of it if you're a sports fan it's everywhere on the internet uh, you really can't go anywhere without seeing it, hearing about it. They get all the best guests, um, you know, NFL players, executives, anybody in sports, really. Um, I'm sure if you listen to this program, you're probably familiar with Pardon My Take. But the reason I'm bringing it up today is that uh, Barstool, Big Cat, uh, one of the hosts of PMT, PMT, Pardon My Take, with PFT commenter, Barstool Big Cat has been a large proponent of the Dayton Flyers recently, going as far as to where... A couple of really fresh quarter zips on his program. Uh, I'm gonna. I retweeted a couple of times the links to those videos, but part of my take likes to put out certain videos on Twitter of them actually doing the show. And on those videos, uh, you can see Barstool, Barstool Big Cat. I don't know why I keep saying Barstool Big Cat. I think because I've been reading his Twitter handle all day. Uh, but Big Cat was uh, was wearing a couple of, of really fresh threads uh, from the Dayton Flyers, and of course uh, expressed his love for Obi Top and heading into the NBA draft, which is coming up in November. Um, yeah, we we've said it a million times on this program, but 
you know, to be the prettiest girl at the dance, you got to have people notice you. And, um, you know, that that's kind of where we're getting to with this program is that uh, Dayton's getting a lot more national pub. They're more of a recognized brand. And I always like to bring up, you know, stupid little things like this uh, because, pardon my take, is the most popular sports podcast out there right now. And sure enough, you know, the Dayton brand, uh, the Dayton logo is front and center. Uh, on videos that thousands and thousands of people see every day. Um, so it's it's great pub for our program. Uh, always will be, and I'll always take the time to shout it out uh, on this show since this is a podcast specifically for you, uh, the Dayton Flyers fan. Going off of that, I love to do things that can help the university, can help our students, can give back to the school at large, and I have just such an opportunity for you today. Uh, earlier this summer, we did a hockey jersey fundraiser for the club hockey team at UD. Uh, it They told me that it was a resounding success. And so it goes like this. There's a portal set up online from the club hockey team to order Dayton hockey jerseys. They come in white and light blue. I have a white one that's personalized. says Sully right on the back. You can look for it whenever we get back to going to basketball games. Uh, and the light blue ones have script flyers across the front. Got one of those from my dad. Those are also pretty sharp. I'm going to be promoting them on the Talking Out Loud Instagram page, which would be tomorrow. I'm talking about Friday, October 9th. This episode is coming to you recorded on October 8th and released on October 8th. I'm certainly making a habit of it, but I don't want you to get used to that. So Club Hockey Fundraiser is going to run, I believe, for two or three weeks. The way it works is that they get uh, orders in and then they fill them all at once. So this isn't a one-off, like an Amazon order where you order the shirt, they send it to you. Uh, It's not like that. It's a batch order and they try to get as many orders as they can before filling them. Again, rousing success the first time we did it, so I got in touch with the club hockey guys, and we're going to run it back. Uh, So if you miss it the first time around, uh, please look out for the link. Again, I'm going to be promoting it on Twitter and Instagram tomorrow, and I will also put up uh, the portal and link and password and everything you need to know uh, on our blackburnreview.com website. Additional announcements that we have today, I like to say announcements, but you know, as a program kind of grows, I like to pe- make people aware of like what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and maybe uh, trying to get into better habits so that you know uh, when things are coming out once a week, what have you. I had mentioned on Twitter that I'm going to be releasing an episode every Thursday until the season starts. Right now, we believe the season is going to start somewhere around November 25th or 26th, which gives us about roughly six, seven shows uh, to sneak in and uh, release to you uh, before the season starts. Uh, Today, obviously, was what we're getting to is an A-10 preview. I just wanted to make you aware of some of the teams coming in, and and I know how it goes. You don't care about the nuts and bolts of every team. You care about who's going to threaten Dayton, who's going to be at the top of the conference, who can we kind of push aside um, until proven otherwise. And that's really what I'm going to get into with Maddie today. Uh, He did a fantastic A-10 preview um, on uh, the Three Man Weave website, and so I thought it was a great opportunity to talk to him and, and kind of get some more insight as to you know what he thought about the conference. He had a couple of hot takes, uh, so we'll save that. Stick around for later on in the episode. But back to the original point being made here: uh, we're going to release episodes every Thursday. 
And additionally, if you missed some of the interviews that we've done before, I'm talking about Kyle Davis, Devin Oliver, Sean Finn, Keith Wallace-Kowski. If you've missed any of those, you are in luck, my friend. We are going to be, I'm going to say we, I don't know why I'm saying we, I am going to, I got the keys to all this shit. I'm going to be releasing a Rewind Wednesday to get you ready for every new episode. So a lot of those um interviews that I've done over the last two years. I'm going to push those back out on Wednesdays. Uh, A lot of the content isn't all that time sensitive, so I'm going to brush them up, push them back out to you. Um, So again, if you missed them, circle back and and listen to them now. There's never been a better time. And then tell people that you like the show, subscribe to the podcast, which leads me to my next point. I mentioned on the first episode, but it bears repeating, and it's worth repeating, that you can listen to our program seven different ways. Yeah, I said seven different ways. Uh, I added Google Podcasts this past week. They gave me that one email. It's like, thumbs up. You're ready to go. It's Google Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud is our hosting site, and you can also listen on CastBox. You quite literally have no excuse. If you know someone's a Dayton Flyers fan, pass it along. Uh, you know, that's the highest compliment I can receive. Next week, also look out. Uh, I'm going to be talking with Jablo. He was kind enough to do a feature piece on me uh, in the Dayton Daily News. That's going to be coming up again next week, uh, which would be the week of October the 12th. Uh, me and Jablo, funny enough, how that came together. We were supposed to get together in Brooklyn uh, the Friday morning before the Flyers were playing in the A-10 tournament. We had it all set up. Oh, you know, we're going to meet near the arena. Let's do a quick interview. We'll feature it in the newspaper. And, uh, of course, you know, that trip never happened. So Jablo circled back to me and, uh, and reached out to, uh, to get that interview on the books. And that's certainly uh, something I'm excited for. To um, I don't know what he's going to ask me, but I don't know. I, I put a lot of my thoughts you know, out there for you guys. I don't know how much more knowledge I could impart on you that I haven't already. Uh, So look out for that next week. Again, new episodes every Thursday until we get started on November 25th. Rewind Wednesday with all of the past uh, episodes that I've done interviewing former Flyers players. And and I'm going to be transparent with you. The only reason that I'm doing that uh, is because when we switched over the name on SoundCloud to the new podcast, we lost all of our historical episodes. So instead of posting all of them, um, you know, you guys don't care about like the post UMass episode three years ago where we were like, wow, they had a great defensive strategy. Um, you, know, you guys don't care about that, but the interviews kind of hold water, uh, again, to not be time sensitive. So I'll push those out. Last thing, and the thing that people love uh, to dissect, talk about, I don't know why my scheduling episode gets the most hits um, pretty much until March every single year. It's always the most listened to episode, but there is some stuff that we know about scheduling, even though there's not a ton that we have in stone um, as of this recording, again, coming to you on October 8th. So here's what we know. I'm going to break it down for you. So the Flyers... We're supposed to play Mississippi State, Mississippi State in Atlanta, and that tournament, or sorry, that um, little event that was an event um, similar to the one they did in Phoenix, you know, where they have like a couple of games during out during the course of the day, um, that has the potential to expand to a two-game bubble tournament in Atlanta now. So we know that UD is going to get the game against Mississippi State, but the possibility, and it's a pretty strong possibility, that UD is actually going to get two games down in Atlanta. So that's two. 
Keep in mind, we're going to be operating on a 27-game schedule this year. There's 18 games already allotted for the A-10 schedule, which means there's nine extra games to fill. Again, as of this recording, I don't have to keep saying that. All of this stuff is really fluid, and I was told this past week that we could see some huge overhauls, huge changes to everything I'm about to say, but you know, just bear with me. I'm just keeping you up to date. So along with the two games in Atlanta, you might have seen last week, Friday night, this bomb got dropped uh, on Dayton Twitter, but uh, Dayton pulled out of the Myrtle Beach tournament. That had been relocated to Orlando for COVID purposes. UD said, no thanks, we'll go looking. And what they did was got themselves into the relocated Battle for Atlantis tournament, which is now happening at the Pentagon, uh, not the Pentagon that you're familiar with, the college basketball Pentagon uh, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So this was a great, great get for Dayton uh, because all of the programs that are in the Sioux Falls, South Dakota tournament are major programs and Ohio State's even one of them. So it was a fantastic old switcheroo. Uh, if you want to read a little bit more into uh, the details of that, go to BlackburnReview.com. I put out an article, uh, it was a pretty timely article last week on uh, Friday night explaining the situation um and it basically goes like this the field in the myrtle beach tournament was crappy it just wasn't good um and then the tournament field in sioux falls south dakota is stacked uh dayton's going to be replacing duke uh, who did the same thing said no thanks we're not going to travel out to south dakota and you know dayton took their place so i thought it was a fantastic get for the program and now you're talking about two big time games in atlanta you're talking about two or three big-time games in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So right now, we're looking at the possibility of five games against power teams, which is exactly where this program needs to be uh, to get those chances to get on the right side of the bubble and build the resume before A-10 play starts. So honest to God, this has the possibility, it's shaping up, to be one of the best non-conference schedules that UD's ever seen, which is, honestly, it's a crazy thing to say in 2020, but uh, here we are. Um, UD really has a chance uh, to put some some great wins on the resume before we get to A-10 play. Finishing up on the scheduling talk, we know right now that the Dayton SMU game is going to happen, um, and it's a pretty strong chance that that game is going to happen in Dallas. What I've been told throughout the offseason is that SMU was one of the very few programs that have remained committed uh, to staying on the Dayton schedule, so, you know, rest assured, Dayton is going to be playing SMU, and like I said, probably going to be in Dallas sometime between December 1st and Christmas, if I had to guess. Last thing, uh, the one certainty that we have right now is that you can pencil in December 19th at UD Arena. The Flyers will be taking on Old Miss. They did not back out of their home and home, so that means the Flyers will be traveling down to Oxford next year uh, to take on Old Miss. And, you know, that's a pretty good series. It's a good back and forth for our programs. We played a couple of times before. Remember the Devin Oliver buzzer beater um, in, uh, in Oxford? I think that was about six, seven years ago now. But again, another power conference team. You're talking about SMU in the American. You're talking about Ole Miss uh, in the SEC. So right now, as the schedule sits, we're looking at six or seven games that are all against power conference teams, which means to get to that nine, you're looking at probably those two or three by games that are going to end up at the arena when all is said and done. Um, you know what that process looks like now for bringing teams into the arena. 
I got no clue, guys, but that's what we know for now. That's the news. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time. You heard about everything that I have to say, um, but now it's time to bring on a guest. So let's get right to it. We got Matty Cox, the three-man weave, coming up right now. I'm joined now by one-third of the three-man weave. You can find them at three-man-weave.com. I'm talking about Matty Cox, fresh off the heels of his A-10 preview, and they preview every conference before the season starts every year. And our conference is not left out. And so I wanted to get him on the podcast to talk A-10 hoops, discuss some of his takes, and hear his rationale as to why he puts some teams so much higher than they actually deserved. <laughs> Joined now by Maddie Cox. Maddie, what's going on today, man? Thank you for joining the program. How's it going, man? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really hoping um, you have a large faction of St. Bonaventure fans that tune into this episode because uh, I'm basically uh, placing my entire credibility uh, it hinges on the, on the Bonnie success this year as I pegged them second. So I'm sure they'll ruffle some feathers. Happy to defend myself. Um, I, I admit I am probably off the rails with that prediction, but um, you know the A10s a wild, wild west of uh, of squads this year. So I'm just geeked that there's knock on wood, furiously, it's likely going to be a season where we get to see these teams do some do some battle. There's many hot takes to dissect and get into on this segment of the Talking Out Loud podcast. But before we do, let's take a step back. I think there's a lot of Dayton fans out there that might not be familiar with your site. Again, you can find it at three. The word three dash man dash weave.com um so for the fans that don't know you guys um i was trying to think of, of maybe like an apt comparison to a college basketball program if you have one off the top of your head please rattle it off but you guys have been around for a few years now um i don't think it's fair to say you're a new kid on the block but give the listeners uh, some background into your site how you guys got started um and kind of you know where you guys are at today yeah, well, I mean, crappy, shitty marketing, notwithstanding, uh, as evidenced by the double dash URL, which we still haven't bucked up for the actual or a, a real URL. But we've been sort of writing maniacally about random, you know, we try and cover all 303 teams. I think we got our start when uh, me and my buddy Kai, who I uh, basically grew up with since elementary school, we were I would be longtime friends. And then he went to Mizzou and met up with this guy named Jim, who's the third member of our organization. They became friends, and then me, Kai, and Jim all uh, randomly had this epiphany that we're obsessed with college basketball and that we spend way too much time uh, not doing our real jobs and analyzing and writing about hoops, and let's make this an official thing. Sounds familiar. Yeah, right? Like, it's basically you just want an outlet from doing a crappy, boring uh, corporate day job. So fast forward five years later, and we just continue to bang our head against the wall, and a few people have found us along the way, and um now we're you know doing the podcast and doing the website and and all that good stuff too I, we made kind of a, a slight swerve into the gambling domain the last few years which has been uh both a function of just my personal i think our passion for gambling but also it, it's a way for us to actually monetize our obsession over this sport as opposed to just wasting hours that don't actually produce returns so i guess that's us in a nutshell that's kind of a lame description but that's that's it I can't wait to use that line uh, when someone asks me, like, why I'm into sports gambling. Well, why not monetize my obsession? God, get off of my ass. <laughs> That's going to be a great retort one day when someone asks me why I'm gambling on uh, Coastal Carolina and uh, UNC Wilmington in a couple of months here. 
Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're writing online about college basketball. Like, we're already in a small pond. We're basically digging into, like, the bottom left crevice of the tiniest barrel of, uh, <laughs> yeah. of, of opportunity. So, I mean, to, to try and monetize actual content is, is nearly impossible. So, yeah, I figure you may as well subsidize that with an actual uh, with gambling, which is now legal in the lovely state of Illinois. Thank you. It's a, I know it's a, it's almost too easy. Uh, Maddie and I find ourselves in the unique position of sitting about f- six to eight blocks away from each other here in Chicago, uh, which we figured out in the course of setting up this interview. But, um, you know, this the path you guys have been on has been so familiar. Uh, obviously, it's, it's kind of the same path I've taken here with the site um, or with the podcast more specifically, just kind of starting it up because there's something I like to do writing because it was something that I could do that wasn't my job and I enjoyed it. And then people started to kind of pick it up along the way. And then here we are, Um, you know, in that same breath, I found you guys because you wrote about the A-10, you did a preview, but what has been the most challenging part of getting your site off the ground? Number one, and then number two, like actually being respected as a voice in college basketball. Um, The most, there's not really one main, I mean, marketing is obviously, uh, it's tough, right? Like we don't yeah. really have any, it's basically three super basic vanilla dudes who are corporate, you know, Kai and Jim were accountants. I was a consultant. Um, so like, we don't really have a cool or unique background. Like we didn't really get any large endorsements like, Hey, these guys are going to like, no one funded us. So I, I mean, it's just been kind of a, a slow and steady process. Um, I mean, the, what's been the, I think to what, well, I guess what's helped us grow it is just, I mean, it's so cliche to say, but just, I don't know, spending way too much time on it. Like the fact that I now know, like I have a bookmark with all of my favorite fan forums and I know exactly where to go for like super insightful nuggets on Portland pilot basketball, which that team has, <laughs> that team has won like two games in the last five years. And it's a complete yeah. train wreck. But like, if I'm trying to like find out certain insights about how they're playing or whether like I, I know where to go, right. They have a great fan forum. Like Bowling Green is a great fan forum. Just like stuff like random things like that that we've just accumulated over the years. Like we know where to find information. And I think we're pretty analytical. Like we're kind of nerdy as you can, you know, hear in my nasally voice. I think I definitely play the nerd brand pretty well. So I think that we had that kind of, we overlay that component and we, Tend to get a few predictions right here and there. We also gotten some egregiously wrong, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a slow and steady grind that's you know manifest into a moderate to decent living. <laughs> Nothing, yeah. negative, but it's uh, it is what it is. If anybody here listening to the podcast wants to know what this business is all about, it's a moderate to decent living. That, that is actually exactly what it is. Um, I'm not sure what's better in that moderate or decent. Like, is, like is moderate the low or the high end on that range scale? And that's stupid. Right. I just gave. It, it reminds me of the How I Met Your Mother episode where Ted, Ted Mosby says that architects make ag- aggressively medium money. That's exactly what I feel like right now <laughs> is exactly. that this business is aggressively medium money. Um, but, you know, your, your point's well taken. Like, in this exact reason I asked it, college basketball uh, coverage, unfortunately, is not a meritocracy. Um, it, you know, it's kind of an old boys club where the guys that have been the voices for so long just continue to be the voices they continue to give you the same perspective. And until someone comes up and challenges that perspective while being a respected voice themselves, it's really tough to break into the fold. And so, you know, I will certainly vouch for you guys in saying that the reason I felt like you guys have been successful, and I think the reason that other people have felt like you've been successful is you put the time in um, and you guys come off as a respected outlet because 
you put that legwork in and there's a certain amount of respect that comes with that in any circle. Um, but here in college basketball, definitely it, it, it bears fruit. Um, the one thing that I will say is I have, I find it mind blowing every year that you guys do take on the Herculean task of covering every single team in college basketball. I just can't imagine what yeah, that is why, like. Why, why do we do that? I don't know. Why do you do that? <laughs> every time you put out like an Atlantic Sun preview, I'm like, oh my God, he spent so much time on this. This is unbelievable. So as we were preparing for the interview today, uh, I asked Maddie to bring a couple of thoughts with him. Because um, believe it or not, listeners, I do do some prep you know, it's, there's some prep that goes in the show. There's not a ton. I'm not going to toot my own horn to that degree. Would you say there's a moderate to decent amount of prep you put into the show? That's kind yes. of where I put my level of prep for the show currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, an aggressively medium level of preparation. <laughs> but uh, one of the, the questions I wanted to ask is I now have talked you guys up. Uh, I validated you. You're respected. And hopefully every Dayton Flyers fan will come over to Three Man Weave now. Um, but on the flip side, you guys have been morons about plenty of stuff over the years, I'm sure. Yes. So I asked you to bring your worst prediction ever, which prediction stands out as something that you got so abhorrently wrong. Yeah, I mean, just picking from the recency bias, well, um, last year, fell in love with Florida, um, but didn't realize that Mike White had no idea what he was doing. Literally no idea what he was doing. Didn't know how to, how to he had all these... It's like having this. It's it, it's it's like this like the science like the seeing swingers when they're trying to teach Mikey like, hey man, you got these big freaking claws, man. Like you're just batting you're batting the money around. You're you're just you're this big bear. It's like that's what he is. He has these awesome tools and had no idea how to weaponize them last year. I picked him to go all the way to the Final Four and actually lose to Michigan State in the title game. So I had Michigan State beating Florida in the national championship uh, when I made the prediction. I want to say it was this time last summer. So. Um, I probably shouldn't broadcast that, but there it is. Um, even the smartest guys in the room, which I'm going to tout myself as right now, uh, screw up. Yeah, they do. Uh, Florida was on track to be a nine seed since I'm sure many, uh, Dayton Flyers fans did not know that, but they were certainly no national title contender. And that brings me to my next point. As we get into our a 10 preview, one of the saddest things I've done in the last two weeks is pull up Ken Palm. And, um, I say that because I haven't pulled up Ken Palm in quite quite a few days. Um, it might have actually been months. And during the course of the season, I'm usually on Ken Palm just about every hour, every couple of hours, as you are, I'm sure too. The reason it was so sad was because he still has his college basketball ratings from last year. And Dayton is right there. Number four with the big red marker on it, because they're my team with a number one right next to their name. Yeah, that's, that they that's are going to have. I'm sorry. It's, it's the worst. And it, you know, it sneaks up on me. It's like, when, when like you're scrolling social media and like your ex-girlfriend just like drops in a bikini <laughs> pic you didn't want to see, it was like, oh, like I thought I had taken so many steps to avoid interacting. Yeah, with we this. talked about it. Like we agree you're not going to post that at least for another year. I thought we had a one year agreement on the books. Yeah, that's you're like, oh, I forgot to block her on Instagram. Christ almighty. Um, it is the same thing. So um, perfect segue, I think, into the A10 preview. But you're... I, I told Maddie that we need to frame the conversation around what Dayton fans care about and what they don't care about. But you did follow the number one rule in writing an A10 preview. Do you happen to know what the number one rule is when you write an A10 preview? Put Fordham last. That's it. That's it. it. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. I don't have any music, I'm but I'm going to figure <laughs> out some music for when people get shit right that I ask him. Uh, the, the number one rule when writing an A10 preview is you put Fordham last and then you just go from there. Um, you did that. And you very conveniently made a couple of tiers. So let's start there. Let's talk about 
you came up with four different tiers um, and just rattling them off for our listeners so that you don't have to do it. And I, I fancy myself as, as quite an entertainer where people want to listen to me anyways. But your four tiers in number one, so we'll start at the top tier, is Richmond, St. Louis, Dayton, who I think everybody can say are the top three teams in the conference or, or they're in the mix for it, right? Then you have Bonaventure, VCU, Duquesne, Rhode Island, Davidson. That's tier one. There's eight teams. I think you could have made more decisions there, but okay, I'm not going to nitpick. We're going to get into it. Tier number two, UMass, George Washington, George Mason. Third tier, LaSalle, St. Joseph's. And the fourth tier is simply Fordham. You should just call it the Fordham tier. We so usually we'll, do. We usually yeah, do. Yeah, so into the fourth kind. tier. Um, so we actually argue about this, me, Kai, and Jim on our podcast with like the splitting hairs within tier one. Here's how, here's the easiest way to contextualize that. Like, I I think Richmond's the favorite. You could maybe put Richmond on like their own tier one A. Um, no, you don't think Well, I said, here's what I said about Richmond. If you don't pick them to be first in the conference, you're either being a contrarian or a homer. Preseason, they're the number one team. I agree, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm with you there. But here's my, my, my thought process is that. Cause you know, because we've gotten so deep into this gambling handicapping thing, like we, like I have a number rating for every team right now, right? All three hundred three teams. So I can tell you right now what like my projected ranking overall is for all these teams, like Richmond, Dayton, Slough, and St. Bonaventure are for me all like close to like top 50, top 60 ish teams. Davidson, who I have at eight is like the 80th best team. So yeah. Um, if you put those two teams on a neutral court, I would have Richmond favored like over by three points over Davidson. So you, you, is that a tier difference? You, maybe. But to me, it's like I don't really see that big of a gap between these teams. And to be honest, the gap between Davidson and UMass, which is where I tried to cut off my second tier, isn't that big either. But I but mostly I just wanted to piss off UMass fans because they're the most insufferable of any of the A10 fan bases. They really are. And, and they're the most overrated of any team by far this year. So that's just like a very obvious, like, all right, I'm going to put you guys in the second class part of the plane, and then we'll put these eight teams who I like and respect more in the top tier. So I guess it was partly strategic, partly hot take, stir up the pot driven, I would say. Sure. You know, I wrote um, I wrote my own A10 preview, and then when you wrote yours, it, I, my listeners will obviously laugh about this because it just speaks to the mediocrity that sometimes I put into the work when I'm firing things off. <laughs> but I, I was reading your preview, and I'm going down, and I'm like, you know, you know how when you write something and then you you look at the team and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I wrote about that guy. That's what I thought about this guy. I was reading your preview of St. Bonaventure and I go, why can't I remember writing about any of these guys? And I went back and looked at my A10 preview, completely missed Bonaventure, just completely skipped over him. I, <laughs> I just didn't even do them. And, and it wasn't it wasn't that I'm disrespecting them. It's just like with 14 teams, you know how you get to that like 10th team and you're like, oh man, I got four to go. And, and like it was that, you know, I had like fatigue and I'm like, oh, how many teams do I have left? And we just ended up skipping over them. So I was glad that you, you know, took the time to to go into to greater detail. But here's how I look at it, right? LaSalle's always a team I forget, by the way. LaSalle's like, the, oh, there's one yeah. more team like, oh yeah, they're in Philly. They kind of should be in the CAA maybe. Why are they in the A-10? I'm not really sure, but that's what the team I always forget. So I feel like that. Yeah, it's always LaSalle. Well, a lot of people forget LaSalle. Um, the conference would be better without them in Fordham, but that's neither here nor there for today's conversation. <laughs> the, the the thing that I always say going into the A-10 season is here's how I try to break it up. And, and I want you to to obviously take this and you can agree or disagree with it um, for the sake of discussion today. I try to say, these are the teams that I think have a chance to win the A-10. These are the teams that I think have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. There's always three or four teams right below them that are what I call the A-10 muck. And then there are the pesky teams that will like 
the the muck never matters, but they're always going to beat teams that like they shouldn't, right? And then at the bottom, you have the teams that'll never matter, and then below them is Fordham. So, no, so you have, wait, so attorney, muck, uh, irrelevant, and Fordham. Those are the four yeah, tiers. I like that. That's it. So yeah, you're yeah. kind of the same way because yeah. I said, if you nail me down right now on, we are recording this episode on October 6th for release on October 8th. If you nail me down on October 8th, Richmond, St. Louis, Dayton are the only three teams that really have a chance to win the league. Now, if you nail me down to say which teams have a chance to go to the tournament, I would expand that to go to Duquesne. I would say Davidson, and then I would also say St. Bonaventure. UMass is right on the fringe. I this is where we very much disagree. You're I do not, not. I do not think. Year. No, I just. I you know you said it really aptly, and and this is why I give Maddie a lot of credit for his preview because even if you disagree with his opinions, you the foundation of why you feel the way you do is right there in black and white. And what you said was, and I would like you to expound upon this point. It's a good place to start. BC, you had a fifth. I see VCU as nothing but turnover. They got a couple of transfers coming into the roster. You never can hang your hat too high on one of those. But I just don't see how they can overcome all of that from how bad the team was last year, which was 8-10. and 10. And, of course, they had injuries. They fell apart down the stretch. But you don't take a brand-new roster and go from 8-10 and 10 to, say, 13-5 and 5 in this league. It just doesn't happen. So the floor is yours to kind of explain how you ended up with VCU, like right there at number five. And obviously I did this because we love to hate VCU here. In Dayton, so. <laughs> um, I'll concede some hypocrisy because I think what makes the A-10 so fun, especially this year, is that it's like everyone's best players, who most of whom are upper class in return, VCU is sort of the black sheep in this regard. But they're they're guys even though that you don't know their names yet or haven't put up gaudy stats they're 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 mostly very talented and they just haven't had a chance to shine yet and last year when you saw some of these dudes get thrown to the fire when those injuries started to it started to come in late like marcus evans and then a lot of those starters started to uh i mean they, they were playing they were grasping for straws for guys who were late in the season yep. um they're they're really good you just haven't seen them yet and it's a lot like um you know, I'm trying to make a good comparison here, but it's, it's just just because the names don't jump out or the production doesn't jump out, they're they're really good. And it, it, Mike Rhodes is a coach. He's probably one of my top three coaches in the league. I trust the system. And Bones Highlands is a rising star. Um, it, I, I could argue VCU could go as low as 10. That's how close this league is. Um, just in my nitty-gritty, very thinly separated ratings. I have them falling in right above Duquesne, Rhode Island, and Davidson for different reasons, but I don't feel good about it. That's the one I'm probably going to have to come back on your pod next summer, and we can laugh about how stupid I was for picking the uh, the Rams <laughs> top five with a team that has basically one proven player right now. No, we, we definitely will have you do that because everybody's held accountable for their takes here on this program. Good, as they should be. <clears throat> um, no, you, no I, I think you're, you're dead on here about especially – in college basketball with guys that haven't had a chance to shine. And the perfect example is the Monday night football game that we just watched uh, with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. He, he was out as two best wide receivers, and he had a bunch of guys you hadn't heard of, frankly. Um, obviously, he had heard of the running backs, but he threw three touchdown passes to a tight end from Indiana State. Now, ha- oh, like just because you haven't heard of those guys doesn't mean that they're not quality NFL players. And sure enough, when they were given the opportunity to shine on the big stage with, you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, they did that same concept right here applies in college basketball. If you get uh, a transfer, let's say 
Uh, VCU has a transfer from K-State. His name is Levi Stockard. You, you know, we've seen the transfer market like explode over the last few years. And the reason is all these guys have visibility of these programs to say, hey, you know what? It's not really working out for me at K-State. You know what I really love doing? Playing defense. And you know where I could see myself playing well? That defensive system at VCU. VCU, so, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that, that you're definitely spot on. And if you are to justify, you know, saying VCU is going to take a leap back up, I think that was the right point to make is that if everybody falls in, buys into the system, then they can, you know, make that leap back up. But your hottest take in the preview was about St. Bonaventure. You think that they're going to end up second. Coming down from tier one, you have Richmond, St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, and then UD. So you're going to have to explain yourself in that top four, just across the board. We don't even have to start with St. Bonaventure, but that top four. So to, <laughs> to be blunt, I actually initially, like right before I hit publish, I hit Richmond one, SLU two, Dayton three, Bonnie four. Um, and if I were being really specific, I would have St. Bonaventure, SLU and Dayton all tied. I have them rated the exact same, but I wanted yeah. to be a little bit, uh, I wanted to open some eyeballs with, with Bonnie, um, putting them second, but also because I think they're actually legit. And I think they are, they're a sneaky tournament team. Um, it's kind of it's hard to make that take in the context of a COVID season when like you don't know what the hell it's going to look like in the non-conference, and it's not going to be a typical path to at large, right? But yeah. in a in a normal year, I right? just put put yourself in a normal year. I think this team has all the pieces to to make a run. And my whole art, my whole premise revolves around Oshun Oshuni. Did I get that right? By the way, pronunciation. That's my 105th attempt in the last three months, and I think that might be my first accurate pronunciation. But I, just I believe I, I'm, I don't. You know, I don't get the pronunciation guides like our, our radio guys do. But I'm pretty sure that was okay. right. All right, good. I uh, actually had a couple guys on DM uh, tweet me after our last podcast. I, I I didn't use the at the shh. I just used the the hard. <laughs> so um, well, we call a guy on our team Chimichanga. So I don't think I'm the right okay, guy good, to ask. Good, to be honest good. with you. <laughs> well, I called a guy once, uh, Malachi Richardson, on a podcast. Uh, the the old the Syracuse shooting guard. And, and that was just embarrassing. So I, I'm not, my reputation for mispronouncing words precedes me, but basically <laughs> my entire premise is based on Oshino Shuni staying healthy, which I know is a dicey proposition, but like I looked really intently at like the on off numbers with him playing. He, he's such a difference maker. Um, I think Dayton fans probably saw a bad version of the Bonnies. I watched that game at Dayton last year when Dayton just blew him out of the gym. I think it was a second, second half. You guys just ran away. Yeah, uh, that was a combination of just peak juggernaut Dayton at at your best, plus the Bonnies just sleepwalking, which they did a lot last year. And that was the thing. I think it's a, it was a young, inexperienced team. The whole band's back. It feels a lot like last year's Richmond team, where Richmond was really overshadowed by Dayton. I mean, Richmond had an awesome year last year, and they were like legitimately in the at-large <laughs> conversation. But Dayton just swelled up all the headlines and and the the five. I almost but felt bad for them a little. bit. I feel I bad like, for them. Oh yeah, that team was so good, yeah. so good. <laughs> So good, and they're going to be awesome this year too. But I think this this uh, this body team has a, has a lot of has a lot of similar parallels. You have a stud big guy who's kind of the epicenter on both ends. All these guards that can do can do stuff. Kyle Lofton's like one of my favorite players in the league. By the way, I think Crutcher's my favorite player. He's the best player in the league. But Lofton's kind of my uh, my my pet guard there. I'm just a big Mark Schmidt fan too. I think when he has the right yeah. pieces, when he has continuity. Um, I wish they had the home court advantage they usually have this year. Obviously, with the COVID, it won't be there, but um, that's still a team I trust. And I just want to – that Bona fan base is my – I actually have a power ranking of uh, A-10 fan bases. Dayton was number one, by the way, so I just want to – it's not even like trying to butter up your audience here, but that was my favorite <laughs> fan base. I had Bonnie like second, so just trying to butter them up a little bit. Have you been to UD Arena? Quick aside. 
Um, no, I know that that's pronounced. Oh, oh sorry, you did. No, I have not. I thought you said. Uh, I thought you were alluding to the the Bonnie Gym, which I've, no, the Riley Center. Lot. Okay, yeah, no, I have not. Uh, it's one of my favorite gyms aesthetically on TV. It looks phenomenal. I need to go. Um, is is that un, unequivocally the best the best place to see a game in the A10? Uh, well, you know, I'm not like the most unbiased person, but <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the thing with the Dayton arena now that I can tell the listeners and I guess I'm telling you for the first time is that we just took a lot of steps to make it a big time arena. Like UD used to have this old time kind of people have watched basketball for 50 years type of feel it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not really breaking any news to say that it doesn't feel like that anymore. However, they did such a great job with the renovations that people don't really give a shit. Um, there, there's certain aspects of the arena that I'm not crazy that they changed, but you know that's the price of doing business. Um, is, it's, you know, to answer your question, there's great gyms in the A10, but there is only like two real arenas. Like Shafitz Arena is ten thousand, and it's it's a nice college basketball arena. If you've never been, I mean, it's a really nice. You know, it's a nice arena, right? It lacks character. That's my two cents. Yeah, yeah. It lacks character, but it's still a college basketball arena. Like when you go in the building, you're like, okay, you know, big time games can be played here, right? Yep. yep. VCU's the same way. Like it's kind of like a big glorified gym. I, you know, I just don't go as far as to call it an arena because it's like 6,500, 7,000, whatever. So there's great places to watch basketball, but, you know, Again, I'm not breaking news. Dayton is just a step above those venues for no other reason than historically we had it and we came into the conference with it. Um, and, you know, we kind of had a head start. So, yes, I would say it's the best place to watch a game. But, you know, any place is going to be the best place to watch a game in a conference when your next closest competitor is putting 4,000 people less into their venue. And VCU is half, you know, um, and they're just about the closest that we have. So, yeah, VCU kind of has that like cracker barrel, uh, like, you know, not Cameron Indoor-esque, but sort of that same intimate, real rowdy type feel where it, it can get buzzing, but it doesn't have that grand, uh, you know, big arena allure that like Dayton has. And SLU to some degree, even though I think it lacks, you know, true authenticity, it's, it's so new. But yeah, I mean, Dayton, I'm looking at the numbers now, it's the 42nd biggest in the country in attendance. Yeah. Um, and then Rose Hill, you got to put Rose Hill right there at three, you know, 3,200. Sure. But again, it's not an arena. Like it's a <laughs> big gym, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. God, poor Fordham. I know. God, I Fordham. Well, you were telling me before you went on the the broadcast tonight that the A10 is one of your favorite conferences to do a preview in, right? I thought about this a lot. Um, there's every fan base in the A10, and that's not even excluding Fordham. We just had a, a someone comment on our preview this morning. Fordham fan wrote a three paragraph essay breaking down basically just like I see your preview you just wrote I'm gonna write a better preview right below it because obviously it's right below it because it is the last team in our in our rankings <laughs> and I'm just like I'm just gonna copy and paste that guy and then like replace my preview and just come like blatantly plagiarize this but point being <laughs> every fan base has knowledgeable fans every fan base is bananas nuts about their team there's so many like there's the obvious rivalries like the v10 Richmond ones but there's so many like Un, like subtle rivalries that stem from recent bouts of games where like teams get after it, you know, get after each other yeah. that people outside the league don't know about. I just love writing. Honestly, I don't even love writing the preview. I'm just terrified to write it because I know if I, if I screw up, I'm going to be hold account. I'm going to be held accountable and scathed and tarred and feather on every fan board, which it's kind of part <laughs> of the fun. Right. But like, I mean, I spent a maniacal amount of time on this preview because I'm just, I know that every fan in this conference 
across the board. Like I'm trying to think who like the who, like the worst fan base is. I guess Fordham probably has an unfair advantage because they're just never good. But like I said, even Fordham has knowledgeable fans. People like care about this this tradition. The tradition is resounding. I love the A10. So uh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. If every fan base out there in mid major land was like you, college basketball would be a lot more lucrative, and me and you would probably have higher paying jobs and actually be able to make real money doing this for a living. But that is not the case. Yeah, well, that's that's a pipe dream. Um, you know, maybe we would just find out that like a hundred people can do exactly what I do as good as I do it. I, I like, to, likely. You know, yeah, likely. yeah, yeah, that's probably likely. I don't know, uh, but it, you know, I the point was well taken because I I do agree with you. I think that this conference over the last five ish years. Um, just got well covered because there was an appetite for it. Um, you know, VCU fan blog's been around for a while. Uh, you know, this website been around for at least 10 years. Podcast here's, you know, in, in the form that I have, it's been around five or six years. The guys from Mason have been doing their thing. Duquesne blogs have popped up. I know guys from Davidson that do the A10 talk blogs. Rhode Island's the same way. They sold their blog to Fansided, I believe. Um, and of course, UMass is spoken for on Twitter. St. Louis has a great online presence. So you're right, like for a conference that is not mid-major, but not power, I mean, we kind of, we have that chip on our shoulder. And I like to think that's where our coverage comes from, is like, we're constantly in a state of, look at me, please pay attention to us. Yeah, right, right. Which is annoying, I guess, if you're an outsider, but I kind of love it because as a college basketball diehard, I feel like I'm doing that to other sports, like the NFL and like the NBA. It's like, quit caring about those clearly more popular and better quality sports. Like, look at, look at this little thing over here. Um, like, yes, yeah. I know chiefs Packers is a good game this upcoming week, but did you see coastal Carolina and Wilmington? <laughs> it's a barn burner. Yeah. <laughs> you probably even have the subscription, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, t- it's an uphill climb, but, but we continue to make it stubbornly. <laughs> All right. So back to the preview. Uh, if you had to say, Going into the season, how many tournament teams the A10 is going to get? Um, you know, what do you say? I think two is the right answer. Um, even though I have three or three, or, I'm sorry, four teams, including I would put St. Bonaventure uh, in with your, you said Richmond, Dayton, SLU as teams that can make the tournament or teams that can win the league. Win the league, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, St. Bonnie can also win the league and they can also make the tournament. I have all four of those teams like knocking on the door of top 60. And usually if you're starting the season within like this, like if the starting gate is 60th overall, you know, give or take five or 10 spots, um, there's very few separation between like the 40th and the 80th best team. If you're closer to like the middle of the pack, you're at a good enough spot that you can, you know, you have the upside to be good enough to make the tournament given your schedule breaks out favorably, given you win the games you're supposed to, you avoid any trip ups at non-con or any, you know, road losses at Fordham, then, then that to me puts you in the conversation. So I think four teams, uh, I draw the line bef- below. I think I don't think VCU, Duquesne, Rhode Island, or Davidson, or even UMass are. I think those are more long shots, but I think those teams have the upside, but um, definitely far less likely than Bonnie, SLU, Dayton, Richmond, who all have like that very sturdy floor. Those you know the, the experience continuity, which will mean so much this year, right? Like I mean, teams are not practiced like. Practice is going to be so weird. It already has been in this offseason. It's going to be even weirder as you get closer to the start of the year. So teams that have basically played for a whole season together, which I think Richmond, Dayton, Slu, and Bonnie have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Dayton lost some front court pieces, but like that, you know, perimeter triumvirate's very much intact. Like that's going to matter a lot. So I gave those teams a slight premium bump, um, which I guess again goes back to my VCU hypocrisy. But I think Richmond, Dayton, Slu, St. Bonnie are all tourney caliber, in my opinion. 
uh, very astute of you to say. When now this this is the most important part of the podcast, and I made my listeners wait a half an hour uh, before we got to it. But you bring an objective voice on on the show uh, to evaluate Dayton. <clears throat> I tend to think that the three players that UD lost, Mike Sell Landers, and of course Obi Toppin, are, are big losses. They're not gigantic losses, and they're not losses that Dayton can't overcome. I have Dayton getting into the tournament. Um, I, I'm even going to say comfortably. Like, I don't think they're going to sweat it out on Selection Sunday. I think they have enough games now that oh, they're wow. putting into. Yeah, I think they have enough games that they're putting into the non-con where they're going to have all the chances that they need to show and prove, right? And so, my question to you is. When you were objectively evaluating Dayton versus the body of work they had last year, what they're losing and how they're coming back, where did you end up? Two. So starting with the three, the three guys they lost, right? It, in a nutshell, it just relative to a, I don't know another any other prognosticator out there who's doing predictions. I think the loss of Obi will be overrated. I think people will think he was. Um, like the Messiah for Dayton last year. And I don't see it that way. He was he was the star. He was the best player, but he wasn't. I think Dayton was so much a function of the unbelievable chemistry and system that they had and the offense that Anthony Grant has really fine-tuned. Uh, there's this really nerdy website I look at, dribblehandoff.com, that actually ranks shot quality. And Dayton's been like in the top 10, I think, the last two years, even with even before Obi was a star. They mm-hmm. get high-quality shots. Um, just they, they take... They take away the low, like the risk of just missing, you know, going cold for a night from outside, right? They always get high quality shots. So I think the loss of Obi is somewhat overrated. And the on the other side of the floor, I think that the, the guys like Chase Johnson and and Jordy Chimichanga, as you like to say, That's are it. competent enough to give you, I don't know, 70 to 80% of what he gave defensively. And but but I, but I do think that Mike Sell and Landers are underrated. And especially what Landers could do on defense. I mean, the guy was just a tank. But watching him in the bubble and the the TBT was like, oh yeah, that guy was legit, and he was a forgotten piece of that of that uh, that juggernaut last year. So mm-hmm. I think those two balance each other out. I think in general, like I was saying earlier, the system itself, Grant, is underrated, and that's what people who maybe discount Dayton as in in store for a huge drop off are underselling. But when you have Jalen Crutcher, Rodney Chapman, E.B. Watson, the best backcourt trifecta in the league. It's a guards game, as cliche as is to say, and I just trust those dudes. Um, so I'll ride with those guys. I'll trust Grant to figure out the rotations up front, and I think it's you know a top four is a lock in this league. Top three probably more likely, and I'm less bullish on a sure tournament appearance than you are, but um, I think they'll they'll be on the right side of the bubble when March Madness comes around. Yeah, and when I listened to national, um, right, I guess you know when I read um, national columns about preseason predictions, and um, you know a lot of people had Dayton in their mouth this preseason because of what we did last season, and so you know it's probably worth their time to alert the college basketball landscape that hey, they lost X Y Z, and there might not be as good. The thing that I just did not feel like anybody really took into enough consideration is that once you get away from Toppin, Mike Sell, Landers. Dayton lost nobody else. You know, none of the none of the side contributors, none of the guys coming off the bench. That was it. So they brought back the entire roster. They obviously have a, a nice little freshman class coming in with uh, with four guys, and they have a redshirt Soko coming off the bench. But my entire point was that the gap between Dayton and the rest of the A10 was just so large last year. Right. Exactly. That yeah. everybody coming back really only has to make up so much ground. 
you know, and, and we said it right here on this this show when they played Richmond. I mean, Richmond held with them, but Dayton controlled the game. They controlled the pace. And it was never really that close. I mean, they really did keep them at arm's length on the road. And that's the best environment that the A-10 had to offer last year. Um, Slew played Dayton extremely close. Obviously, we needed a buzzer beer to get out of there. That's more of a testament to Slew's style. It just doesn't mesh. And for whatever reason, uh, Travis Ford just really knows how to play Anthony Grant, like one way or another, um, it, it, again, is, is more Slew's style. But you see what I'm getting at. Even though you lost these three big pieces, Dayton has enough coming back that that gap is not insurmountable, um, you know, for, for us to, to kind of make up again, right? Yeah, you just need like one or two of the newcomers to give you 15, you know, tw- 15, 20 minutes of solid, consistent production, right? And that doesn't even mean scoring. It just means defending, ball moving, opportunistic scoring, um, and, and, and from what, you know, you kind of gave me a lot of the inside scoop on some of the new guys, which you can dive into if you want to go down that rabbit hole, but they, they seem competent enough, uh, to, to fill that void. But yeah, I, your point's spot on. I think it's the same point that people are missing on UMass is that, you know, people are just penciling them into like top five, top four, uh, predominantly UMass people, which I think makes sense, but yeah. people forget that they were, while well, they finished eight and 10 last year. Um, you know, they were, I, well, I'm looking at the numbers right now. They're 80 spots behind VCU and Kempom. Like they were, they weren't even a top 150 team last year. So yeah, I'm projecting them in my overall rankings to make a 50 or 60 spot leap. That's a pretty big jump, but that's still not better than Davidson, Rhode Island, Duquesne, VCU, Bonnie, Salute, Dayton, Rich. That's it, you, you still have to, to your point, you have to contextualize where you start from. And that's why I think what you said about Dayton is spot on. It's like, yeah, they lost a lot, but but they're also they were so far ahead of the rest of the pack that even you strip away those key contributors, they have a long way to fall before they actually fall below the rest of that top tier, which is why I think they stay in there. Um, and they're, like I said, you know, definitely top three team in this league, no matter how, no matter what way you cut it. Yeah, and this is where those storylines come into play with the A10, right? Um, because my rationale for having UMass as low as I did, I really just don't think they're going to matter again this year. And the reason is the same reason I give for never picking George Mason to win anything. You know, George Mason's been in the, in the league eight years now. They have done nothing, literally have done nothing. They've never finished above fifth. And UMass is the same way. You know, Matt McCall is going into year four now, and he has been severely outcoached in multiple games in his first three years. And that's not even getting into the guys that have transferred out of his program. Um, you know, just the the guys that are coming into his program kind of being not lackluster, but very average pieces. So I said, even if the talent's there, which it does seem like it is there, I just don't see how you, how Matt McCall is all of a sudden going to take that leap, or I am not going to stake my reputation of, you know, my reputation. I'm not going to stake my predictions of the season on Matt McCall taking this Herculean jump that nobody saw coming. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the hardest part about writing a, a preseason piece is like, you, you want to justify guys taking a leap, but not at your own expense, right? Yeah, I mean, like Trey Mitchell's a star, right? I mean, Dayton fans who saw him play last year can attest to that. There's no yeah. question he's going to be great. He could be Obi Toppin good next year, um, which is unlikely. But he could be that good, and I still don't think they're going to be – They're not, that still doesn't give them enough to make a top three jump. Um, again, back to the whole Dayton thing. I mean, I rank Jalen Crutcher as a almost a top five overall player in college basketball. I think Kai and Jim, my colleagues, had them like closer to like twentieth 
Um, he's definitely top 20. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, he, he's I mean, I wrote, I waxed poetic about his efficiency last year, which I mean, you could argue was propped up by Toppin's, you know, attention inside. But th- there's just so much depth in that backcourt uh, with Crutcher, Chatham, Watson, and and Cohill, who I think gets forgotten that I think he's a solid defender off the bench. That yes. you know, that, that that matters, right? Like the supporting cast matters, and so when you look at you know UMass, you can you can gush about Mitchell all you want, but they lost their starting point guard, they lost their best rebounder last year, so you can't just like ignore those things. Like those things matter. Yeah. They have some decent pieces coming in, but I'm with you. Matt McCall hasn't proven anything. Um, I actually like Dave Paul. So I think Dave Paul's had a tough break. A lot of those, they've had injuries like every year, like massive injuries every year. They so have, I mean, if they, they have. have, if they can stay healthy for one year, maybe they break through the team that I'm going to, um, if St. Bonnie is like my upper tier sleeper, the lower tier sleeper in the mush, as you call it is George Washington. Yeah. I'm a huge Jamie on Christian fan. I think they're going to be knocking on top six, top five door, um, in two to three years, even though that's kind of an exclusive club. And I, you know, everyone always says, Oh, in two, three years, this team will be right in the mix. Like they're going the right direction. It's like, yeah, well, it gets harder to climb the ladder when you get to like the mid and higher parts of that ladder. But I, I do think George Washington has a strong enough program pedigree. He's recruiting enough talent there that, that that's a team I'd watch out for this year. And definitely next season, I might be a year too soon on, on picking them to, uh, to crack top 10, but, but they're, they're on the right, they're on the right path. Yeah, and and for the sake of of moving the discussion along to the same kind of tune you're talking about, my team to to, to take the leap this year um, is Duquesne, and you you have them in yeah, tier one. Um, I've said for the last couple of years, Flyer fans they now finally have to worry about Duquesne. Last year gave us a little bit of a run at their place. They kind of yeah, had like right. a 20... one possession game late. I remember watching that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I watched that game from London. Funny enough, which was like, Oh, it was awful. Cause it started at midnight. Um, so yeah, it was like a Wednesday night. I'm like, Oh, I'm watching Dayton Duquesne. And I remember like my coworkers that were British were like, you're doing what tonight at what time oh, you're abroad. <laughs> you're abroad mid season. You must have, you must be making hand over fist to be able to afford mid season trips. Is it, a, is it a company expense paid for? I mean, what's the, I'm not what sure what your ROI is for there at Blackburn return. That's pretty solid, man. Yeah, man. The advertising dollars for the new program um, were paid up front, and you know there it was just flying <laughs> across the advance. front. Huge advance, love it. Wish I could get that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I you know I've said two years ago I was like Duquesne's a year away. And then last year, they were mediocre again. And I was like, okay, like I, I, you know, I think this team has everything. So I said in my preview that now is the time. You know, the expression is, is shit or get off the pot for Duquesne. I mean, that's exactly where they are because Dan Brott's now been there for a few years. He has all of his guys. He's got a full roster of guys coming back from a team that was supposed to make waves last year. And I just think that if they're ever going to finish in the top four, be taken seriously, this is the time to do it. You know, new arena. Their new athletic director who came from Dayton. Don't let, let the record show. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, they have put a commitment into basketball. And so I told Dayton fans, you know, to to definitely worry about Duquesne this year. I think they could be my dark horse pick. Um, so you said there's four teams that you think are gonna get in. You have them ranked the same way in your A ten preview, Richmond, St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, Dayton. Out of the rest of the field. If you had to say the fifth team that would make it, I, I don't see how the A10 would get five bids, but it's going to be a weird year. If we got five bids, who's the fifth team? I think I'd go, I guess it's a little bit contradictory to my ratings. I'd probably feel, safe, gun to my head, I'd go Duquesne, actually, over VCU. Um, I worry that I'm trusting the system and Mike Rhodes too much on VCU. Too, you know, and I, I love Dan 
you did. I think I think you made a compelling case. And actually, I'm gonna, <laughs> as we're on the podcast, I'm going to go on right now to the Squarespace editor and make some live adjustments. I'm going to pull a Chad Ford here live on the air, making some uh, retroactive picks. Uh, <laughs> but the thing with Duquesne is, to me, I've seen the same story the last two years. Is Danbro has gotten that program to un for like the, the, we're, we're getting close to uncharted territories. They had a few. They had one monster year, I think, with McConnell. Um, uh, well, monster year, they were like ten and six that year. But like, sorry, they're, they're, for their standards, that was a home run. That was huge. Year. Yeah, huge. And Danbro has gotten them back to that stratosphere, and I just don't see how they get above it. What I've seen the last two seasons is a team that is excellent at trouncing inferior competition especially in the non-con they played a really really cupcake schedule they got all the way up to like basically knocking on the door to the top 60 top 50 team in a lot of the analytic uh, rankings and then during a 10 play th- their lack of size while it's not a bigs league it still is exposed and they were horrendous on the boards they basically play 4.5 guards um and i just you're i mean you you can you can zig when everyone else zags, and I'm, I'm here for the modern, you know, small ball lineup stuff. But but I think that catches up to you at a certain point, and it just feels like they've hit an inherent glass ceiling. Um, I, I think they're going to be about as good as they were last year. I just don't see them making another leap. But if but this, if they ever do it, you're right. This is the year. I mean, there's you can't find they'll, they'll never have a roster as well intact as they do right now with LP is coming back, plenty of firepower, awesome point guard, um, some high major down or down transfer talent. And a good coach. So this it's kind of a put up or shut up year for Danbro. Yeah, and, and just to to hammer that home just a little bit more, um, you know, the new arena is a big deal because right. you know Duquesne as a program, you know, being a kid from Pittsburgh, there's just never any buzz around that program, and they found themselves in the perfect position where Pitt is in a rebuilding stage at their program. No one's really given a shit about them for the last couple of years here in Pittsburgh, and so here it is. It's like Duquesne has a chance to not only you know, break through, but to have people watching them and like caring about it. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's never going to be a basketball city, but if you can just get some eyes on you while, you know, Pitt's dormant and, and taking time to, to rebuild the ACC, I mean, this is it. You have to strike while that iron is hot. So, um, so take it from me, Flyer fans and Maddie, that uh, the sleeper pick, Duquesne, it's a sexy sleeper pick this year. <laughs> um, excusing my coughs. Wrapping up the interview, again, this is Matty Cox from the Three Man Weave podcast and website covering all 353 teams in Division One basketball. Uh, I asked Matty before the, the podcast to, he said he, he loved covering the A-10, and you know we, we thank him for that. But there had to be one other mid-major conference that you really love covering. So who is that mid-major conference that you really love covering? To me, it's a no-brainer. Um, it's the Conference USA, just mostly because it's, it's an amalgamation of teams that are just like the other teams. Like and everyone had a true conference. They're the, you know, you know what they are? They're, They're the, the what conference is that team in? Just default to you. That's what they are. Like you have a team, like you have teams in Texas, teams in Florida. Um, the geographic alignment, as the name indicates, makes no sense. There's just so many weird oddities. Um, it, it's the league has been fun and innovative in recent years. Like they did the, they were one of the first to adopt the, the round robin conference thing, which I think would benefit the A10, by the way. Like basically once you have um after like three fourths of your conference games, you pull up with a top tier. So like this year, Dayton, SLU, and Richmond and St. Bonnie in my case would basically be pulled into like a round robin. They so basically you're trying to stack the deck to get more wins for an at-large case. So Conference USA did that last I think it's genius, right? It's basically the way it's how mid-majors punch back against the 
um, the elites of the world. But well, I mean, there's so I'll I'll expand upon this for for our listeners that might not know what we're talking about. Um, it was designed by Mark Adams, who is a Dayton guy himself. Um, he's well known around our program because he was on the radio calls for so many years, um, and he invented the Flyer Feedback Show, which still exists today. He was on our program in February. If you haven't listened to that interview, go ahead back to our archives, and I will release it again pretty soon. Anyways, what Matt is talking about is the round robin format the Conference USA came up with. Um, a couple of years back. And basically, if you're in the top four, you get put into a round robin. You play the other teams in the top four heading down the stretch. If you're in five through eight, you play teams in the five through eight. And it's designed to get you better wins and better games. But what ended up happening in Conference USA was that their conference was not quite strong enough yet for that format. And so it ended up just killing all the conference teams because they ended up just beating up on each other instead of teams separating themselves from the pack. So I hope yeah. I happily explain that for my listeners, but you can go on now. Yeah, it kind of backfired last year. But the, for the A-10, it's perfect because they actually, it, it's a league where you're always going to have teams that are right on the cut line that could use an extra, you know, an extra one or two quality, you know, quadrant one, quadrant two wins. And, you know, if you if you pulled it, you know, tier one, tier two, um, especially for a 14-team league, right? That's what the A-10 and CUSA have in common. They're both, you know, arguably too many teams i kind of i'm more of like a 12 team is sort of where i'd like to draw the line if they're up to me if i, I agree we could just get rid of lasalle and fordham that'd be great anyway go on yeah sure. <laughs> uh I'm, I'm sorry lasalle and fordham fans <laughs> but i'm sure let's be no one's actually listening they, they know exactly how i feel about them i promise okay, you man okay. <laughs> right, well, that's good. i guess we're not hiding anything um no. Do we, not, we, we can't talk about uh rhode island or, or davidson i don't really have any hot takes on them they're just kind of they feel different and distinct this year but there's sort of a no man's land in my rankings do you have them i don't know if i do um yeah you, you know what I, I said you know i i told Matt before he came on i'm like we have to keep this in the context of dayton flyers fans and, and really what i said about rhode island davidson is like they're gonna be in the muck i mean they're gonna be teams yeah. that yeah. aren't terrible they're gonna win some games they shouldn't win but at the end of the day they're gonna be between like you know six and ten or whatever like they're just I hate to say that like you're not going to matter because that's when I really piss off fan bases in the A10. But I'm sorry, like if you're below like sixth in the A10, you don't matter. Like in the national context, you just don't matter. You're not going to the tournament. You're probably an NIT or a CBI team. Like you know, you just have to be real with yourself. Like our conference is always scraping like at at like, the door of being relevant, and it's just like I'm not going to waste my time. Being like, oh yeah, well, if a couple things break well for Rhode Island, it's like it's just, it's just not going to happen this year, all right? Just it's fine. Yeah, every prognosis that starts with if everything breaks right, well, yeah, if everything <laughs> broke right, I'd you know I'd be making hand, making millions of dollars in this for a living, but I'm not. Yeah. So, like, that's <laughs> just, be John Rothstein. Yeah, which would be great. Um, John, for listening, please hire us. Um, <laughs> he follows me now. Big big development. I Breaking saw news. that. That's huge. That's dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That's time. enormous. That's probably bigger than the Scott Van Pelt interview, honestly, in the grand <laughs> so, Happy for you. Happy for you, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, but you, you, you like you said, um, you know, Rhode Island, Davidson, UMass, uh, they just, they got to show me a little bit more before I'm going to like stand behind them and, um, and, you know, come on the show and like talk to Dayton fans about like, who's here, you know, like, here's who we should care about. Like, you know, I think it's pretty well spoken for is that you know, Richmond's going to be the class of the league. Uh, Bonaventure, St. Louis, Dayton are going to be right there. Uh, you know, we're not really sure where we're going to get from VCU, Rhode Island, or Davidson, or UMass. And then you have Duquesne, who should take a step up. I mean, beyond that, that's pretty much what the conference is this year. 
Yeah, and St. Joe's is weird too, but we don't need to talk about them. We've we've I mean, I guess there's too many damn teams in this conference. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but but Billy Lang is is kind of was uh I, I don't know, did not impress me last year. Let's let's say that. He has a he has a long way to go to to gain my my Stanford approval. Not yeah. impressed with the uh, the Hawks last season. Yeah, and the St. Joe's um team obviously has a um a long way to go to rebuild from, you know, letting go of Martelli and everybody leaving their program as well. So, yeah. um in regards to the three-man we, before we let you go, I always give my listeners final thoughts, um, you know, to what they would like to express to Dayton fans. But before we do that, um, you guys had a very interesting event during quarantine that I tuned into while I was v- very, I had had a lot of beverages, but you had it for like 24 hours. So I think that was the intent. Um, why don't you tell our listeners what the event was that you guys had over Zoom during quarantine and like what, like how that all came to be? Wow, I, I, I'm like I almost couldn't remember the name. It feels like it was so long ago because oh my god, I know at the pace of a sale in 2020, like in April, wasn't it? If, if, yeah, I, I think something like that. I don't oh, know. It was god, forever so, ago. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was the rewatch for Relief. I think is what we ended up calling it. We had a, a big internal marketing meeting. We had all the big PR firms with their input, but we ultimately settled on <laughs> Edelman. Was Rel- yeah, it was a very expensive process, but we did align on the rewatch for Relief. Uh, just did like a 24 hour um like live stream on twitch and youtube live where me kai and jim just talked to each other for 24 hours but mixed in with a lot of interviews to break up the uh to break up the staleness and we just raised money for covid ppe so as those of you following the covid thing a lot of the frontline workers need equipment and such and so we're you know why not be insane and do something for 24 hours or get people's attention and get a lot of the big names and big wigs and college basketball media on and, and generate some buzz. We did. And I consumed a fair amount of libations myself. Um, I have never felt worse after a, you know, I mean, I've, we've all had the long nights of, you know, 5am drinking and we, you know, regret what we did the next day. <laughs> um, but that was a different level of just like, uh, like I couldn't talk for two days after. So was it worth it? Yeah, it was. But uh, it was a steep price to pay on my uh, my body and my voice for sure. <laughs> Turning 30 takes a toll on all of us, doesn't it, buddy? Yeah, like it really gets you like late 20s. But then once you hit 30, it's just uh, it, it's a different your your body just doesn't even accept. Hey, it's just basically like, OK, you want to go out and drink till four on Saturday? You'll be in bed till Wednesday. <laughs> that, that's just the lesson you have to learn. So it, it's, it takes some of us longer than others to learn that lesson. But I'm finally coming around finally getting the hit now well hopefully uh in april or may whenever it ends up being this this coming year you guys can do it again and uh and you know raise money for another good cause whenever that comes to be um again thank you for having uh sorry thank thank you for coming on the show um but you know final thoughts for dayton listeners out there um do you have any uh i have two i just want to be on record that me and kai two of our three men 66.666 percent of the weave um, predicted Obi to be an All-American before last season, which I believe was a fairly hot take. I want to say I didn't see many other many others. Yeah, yeah um, it was a hot take. Yeah, I wouldn't have so, said that. Yeah, yeah I just, I just it's more of a um, to to validate to uh, to your listeners that that we love the Flyers and that we tend to to throw you guys some love out there. The second thing is, I'm sorry. Um, I made a, a list of teams that were most screwed by COVID. Um, <laughs> I think. I think Jayhawks fans have a pretty good case, but they're always in the conversation for like a national. Yeah, they'll be back. I don't like BYU was right up there, but Dayton was number one. one, Yeah, Dayton was one with the bullet for me. Um, I had them already sharpened into my national title 
uh, slot on my bracket. Um, for those that still do brackets, I kind of get sick of brackets because I'm tired of losing them. But anyway, I've, I'm just sorry, folks. Um, you guys got screwed. 2020 has been hard on all of us. Um, but within the context of college basketball, it was harder on no one than you all. So uh, I hope you guys are sticking in there. And I'm hoping another Obi Toppin comes around in, in 10 or 20 years. And, and you're all still alive to see it. <laughs> I think the reason why I had to laugh is like, yeah, 10 or 20 years is is because I was about to be like, well, no, what if, oh, yeah, it's, it might be 10 or 20 years or it might be never. We might get another Obi. But um, hey, uh, that was probably the most somber note that anyone's ever taken an interview out on. But, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. To- I, I probably should warn you. I was going to like basically end the podcast on like the most somber, morbid note of all time. But there it is. That's just how I feel. <laughs> Uh, well, we thank you just the same for coming on, sharing some thoughts for the A10 preview. I'm sure this will circulate to all the corners of A10 Twitter uh, and elsewhere. So thank you again for coming on, buddy. It was a joy. Yeah, appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll get some shots up over at Skinner Park sometime. That'll do it for our show for tonight. Like I mentioned at the top of the program, we're going to have another episode next Thursday. But before we do, I'll start pushing out some Rewind Wednesdays for you with all of the interviews that we've done up to this juncture and in the previous years. Go out, support the club hockey team, grab a jersey for yourself, or maybe get ahead of your Christmas shopping. I don't know. Just find a reason to go out and buy one and support the team. Uh, They always need the funds, especially in a year like 2020. Uh, I also have some new outro music. I would enjoy if all of you listeners could be a little bit critical of it because i think i like it but if it sucks then i get to tell my best friend who made it from scratch that it sucks and that's always enjoyable too Uh, thanks again for listening to the program we'll catch you next week until then you wear red and you be loud and all that later